Abram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Knollcast. As always, we will thank our sponsors, Louisiana Hot Sauce, Tarpon Cellars Wine Company. Uh, very much look forward to having some Tarpon Cellars wine at an event that we're planning uh, for the spring game. Uh, sorry, the plan that the Battle's End is planning for the spring game, but if you're up and around, love to have you uh, out there as well. We have that at uh, Langford Green uh, day of the event. I'll put that on on Twitter. Uh, honestly, nice. didn't didn't mean to uh, start the show with a promo with the battles in there, but uh, Tarpon Sellers will be around, and uh, I imagine a bottle of Louisiana hot sauce or so might be out there as well. But uh, we'll have a vast majority of the football team, if not the entirety of the football team, out there with the availability for autographs uh, the morning of the spring game. And uh, as I said, Keep your eyes out uh, on this space, uh, whether it be my Twitter or the Battles in Twitter, and we'll have more information for you about that. So, Bud, a uh, fun little show that we have for you today. Looking back at the scrimmages that have taken place, we had a second scrimmage here. I don't, this is going to be interesting in general about what's left of spring, because I just don't know that there's a whole lot more to find out about this team. You know, I mean, you really know what you have at this point and you know if you're of the opinion that hey you'd like to bolster this position group or this position whatever it may be um and then for the most part and i'll be interested in your opinion on this i'm more kind of watching what's left of spring to try to figure out what's gonna happen in 24 and 25 and stuff like that i think that's more where the conversation is i mean you know you know the pieces that you have along the defensive line you know what you've got um, at some of your strengths, uh, at skill on offense, um, everybody's eyes will try to figure out what the, the final five grouping is on the offensive line. That's probably the biggest kind of yet to be determined, uh, thing. And that'll be determined by both play and eligibility and health and some other issues out there, but, uh, just interested. I think that's what you want. If you are a healthy functional roster, yeah, you may have the occasional battle quarterback or something like that, but you know, spring's not necessarily to set up what's going to happen, you know, four or five months from now. Uh, it's really more to get a broader idea as to where your roster is and and uh, if there's holes in it in the years to come, gives you an idea as to maybe how you can address them. So I, I think that's fair, man. You know, I, I asked a, a, a pretty good source of mine. I was like, do you think this is like a national championship roster? And he gave me the same answer he gave me about five, six months ago. He's like, probably not. He said, but the, the depth that this team has at most spots is really good. Right. And I, I think that's what you're alluding to, to where like, do they have a lot of guys that are going to be first round picks? No. Like, do they have anybody who's going to be a first round pick? Maybe. But like, I don't know that you bet your life on right now are going to be a first round pick. I mean, verse is probably the the most likely. I, I think Johnny Wilson is somebody who I am really impressed with some of the highlights that he has, has come down with, not just the catches, because the guy makes highlight catches. He just doesn't always make the routine catches so far in his career. But the route running on some of these some of these routes that he's actually catching the ball on is much better, right? Like, like, And that is hard to control that big of a body, honestly. And so that is something that I think it's really encouraging for you. So like, when, I'm, when I'm thinking about spring, I'm like, okay, are there any spots where they don't have the depth that you want? There's a lot of spots where you're very encouraged by the depth that they do have. And then can anybody emerge as like a next level guy, right? If you got into a game against a Georgia, 
or if you know Bama bounces back this year to more like top two level Bama as opposed to just what they dropped to like fourth or fifth in some of the power ratings this past year, all all, all the way to fourth, right? Yeah, right. Can, like, who do you have that can bang with a team like that? That actually, who do you have that keeps Kirby Smart or Nick Saban up at night, right? And I think Jordan may be one of those guys. I actually posted a pretty cool graphic on our Nolcast Instagram tonight showing basically his his sport radar uh, from Stats Bomb, which I thought was was pretty cool. And, and he rates really, really well in, in almost all the stats. You know, I, I like who do we think scares the elite teams on this team? Because I think a lot of teams would trade for FSU's depth because of the veteran nature of this ball club. Like I'm relatively happy. I think with what's coming out of spring with the exception of kicker, because I mean, dude, yeah, that's been, can't just been, keep missing these kicks. It's been concerning. Um, now you may not play very many close games, so it may not matter all that much, but the most important games, it probably does matter. Yes. Uh, it, it, it most, it has a way of mattering. Definitely. Now to get back to what you're saying, I don't know that they'd necessarily keep him up at night, but like, I think you've got one of the three or four best quarterbacks, one of the three or four best running backs. And if Johnny continues to progress, you know, maybe you've got a four to six best wide receiver in the country or something like that, which is exciting because you're starting to put together, in my opinion, both skill and difference makers. Now the draft question is a little bit different with Benson, just because of the valuation of running back uh, in the draft, the, um, I'm not comparing Benson to the Texas running back, but I'm fascinated to see where that kid goes just so that we get a another data point as to what a really impressive running back actually goes for in the draft in, in the year 2023. Um, but I, you know, I agree with the assessment of, of the person that you spoke with there that, you know, can, or can we sit here in early April and say with absolute certainty, this is like a playoff team. I mean, I also hope we all have perspective as to the the fact that we're even having this question two years from, you know, the season that you had two years ago. It's pretty freaking remarkable turnaround. Um, But when you go out there, like I don't, when I have had the opportunity to go to practice or when I've had the chance to go to spring, it's impressive to see individual pieces. But what really stands out to you is you're like, damn, that's the third team defense. And that secondary is pretty good, and that defensive line is still pretty pretty good. I mean, you're, I do think that just the casual fan, even still, it's going to get hit in the um, you know hit in the face. I'm speaking obviously metaphorically. It's, it's going to be a pretty nice smack as to exactly how talented and deep this roster is. Uh, for those of you that are you know going to the spring or have a chance to watch the spring online or ESPN or wherever the the game's going to be shown this year, but um, it's a it's a great barometer for where the program's gone and the pretty drastic direction turn it's done over the last uh, three years or so. By the way, uh, it sounds like Bless Harris, who I know you praised a lot in our last episode, uh, had a pretty nice scrimmage as well. So that's that's very, very encouraging. Um, you, you mentioned Trey, so I'll, I'll just throw this out there before we kind of get to discussion of, of more some spring takeaways. We, we had a, you know, a, a Patreon listener here. Uh, patreon.com slash nocast become a supporter of the show we always appreciate your support there um they're like hey i'm a major college fantasy player what do i do with trey benson like do we think that trey benson is going to be a 200 or 210 carry guy because if so 
with his per carry averages and his size and the speed and the fact that FSU's competition for most weeks is, is pretty bad. He should be a first round pick in college fantasy football. He's like, on the other hand, if he's like a 170 carry guy, not so much because his touchdown share, like he's not exactly a goal line specialist, even though he's a big back and they do have Jordan and they do run some of this jet sweep stuff on the goal line, or at least they did when they had Pittman. I'm not saying they won't do that anymore because they did a little bit of that at Memphis as well. Uh, didn't Lundy have two or three touchdowns last year? Right. As well? I mean, yeah, like, look, yeah. Lundy, Lundy vultured one in the, uh, in the bowl game. Right. Yeah. So, you know, like his touchdown volume would have to be so great for him to justify a first round pick on Benson. If he was not a, like a legit 200, 210 carry type guy, 170 there is like, we can go get into this. Like, I'm not really sure it's, if he needs to have 170 carries for FSU to get their goals, but just for college fantasy and to, to drill down onto the player. I mean, this is a guy we know FSU values really heavily. He's a very good player. And I don't know, man, like Atkins and, and Norvell have for the most part gone running back by committee. But if you go back to his Memphis days, we were doing this pre-show. Uh, he had a guy carry the ball 230 times in his last year at Memphis. And in 2018, he had two dudes carry the ball 210 times each. And then he had one guy carry the ball uh, for 78 times in 2018. That was, was number three back. His name was Tony Pollard. He, he's the reason that the Cowboys felt okay cutting Zeke Elliott, as well as Zeke's contract. It's just enormous. But I don't know, man. Like 200 carries, regular season carries. Do we think 12 games? It's a great, it's a good number. Um, it is hard for me to immediate give a response to only because you've got four really good backs, uh, five. I, I almost have a hard time. This is not a knock on Toa Philly, but I don't always mentally list him as a running back because of just how you use him. And, you know, he's really, um, I, I don't know, jack of all trades has kind of become a backhanded compliment. And that's not what I'm trying to say at all. He's just talented and, Kid has an opportunity to get involved in the passing game, uh, especially with some of your no huddle and stuff. Like if you don't have to sub with Toafili in there, you can move him out to the slot. And like with, with with Pittman out, I mean that's that's a valuable weapon. Sorry, go, go ahead. Just, oh no, very. It's definitely not a knock on him to be called a, you know a jack of all trades or multi purpose weapon. Um, Rodney Hill was was the best player at the scrimmage that I attended a week ago. Uh, I'm not giving away any secrets when I tell you the. Staff really thinks a lot of Rodney Hill. Uh, at the same time, you've got this incredibly talented running back who is physically gifted uh, almost beyond description with Benson, uh, who's still figuring out how to play the position, really. I mean, you know, you're not – to give this kid a decent amount of carries is not necessarily doing him an injustice on the long term. He's still kind of got to figure out just the basics of playing running back. Um, so – you know, you may have a situation where you continue to work Benson in a couple of games just because you're still trying to bring him up to speed of, of the position and to get him more comfortable with it. At the same time, Kasai uh, Holmes, CJ Campbell, uh, nice backs. You know, you want to continue to work into the rotation as well. Um, uh, you know, close your ears, bud. I don't want to give away any snap count draft stuff, but I, I would put the number somewhere around 185, 190 at this point for Benson uh, just as – not snap counts, 
but uh, pure carries based off uh, both what he has the potential to do and some of the past use of of running backs in Mike's uh, offense. And this is also where you kind of get into some of your your, your scheduling projections, right? It, there are a certain number of games here where you're going to be favored really big. Like you're probably a large favorite at Boston College. You're going to be favored big over Southern Miss. By the way, the Clemson transfer might win the job for the Golden Eagles. I did see that. Uh, Frank Gore Jr. sat out their spring game, and their, the the uh, transfer they got from Memphis apparently had a big day uh, for them. Virginia Tech, unless they really make massive strides on their offense, I, I have a hard time seeing them score very many points because they were just like bottom 15 in the country last year when I look at my offensive sheet. Syracuse lost a number of guys who are going to be top four or five round picks, and I just don't think they're going to replace that very well. You know, Duke, I guess we'll see. You know, Wake, I, I pretty much always trust Wake to be a tough game under under Dave Clawson. Like, they're, they're really well coached. They, they know what they're, they're supposed to do. Pitt, probably not easy. Miami could come to play. Florida, I, I can tell you that the staff still has a lot of respect for that Gators roster, right, the, the, the physicality of it. So I won't say that's easy. North Alabama, clearly a, a, a walkover. Does Benson get, get 15 carries against North Alabama? Duke, Cuse, Vatek, Boston College, or Southern Miss. I mean, there may be some game in which he gets 22 or 25 carries or, or something like that, but not not regularly. So I, I think I agree with you there, man. I I, uh, I I don't think he gets 200 carries in the regular season. Now, maybe yeah. if you count the bowl game or something like that, or if they happen to make the playoff or playoffs, conference title game. Yeah, got that one too. Um, 15 games, I think he'll definitely get 200, but, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, Benson's it'd be fun. Benson's just a a truly unique talent uh, who's, like I said, still learning how to play the position and uh, certainly had some flashes last year at the end of the season that, you know, made you think that uh, you don't have to be crazy Florida State fan to extrapolate some pretty wild uh, ideas as to what he might be uh, possible uh, or have uh, the potential to do this year. So, um, all right. I'm going to throw another one at you here. I think this one's kind of fun. Where does FSU have to finish in the college ball playoff rankings for Jordan Travis to win the Heisman? Like, what, what's the lowest you think they could finish for him to actually win it? So this is the is this the final ranking or is this the rankings? Not not, not after like the, not after the national champion is crowned, but like the the one like post conference championship games. Okay. Yeah, the one decides who goes to the playoff. Sure. I tried to dissect this earlier. Just don't know that you can. I mean, my my uh, feeble-minded dissection was that you have to beat LSU from a Florida State perspective. You have to beat LSU and Clemson once uh, for that to be the case. Which I guess if you beat LSU first and then Clemson the first time and lose to them in the conference championship game, then Maybe you're not a playoff uh, contender, but I, I tend to think that if you win, lose, win, uh, you've, you've got a pretty decent chance of being a, a playoff uh, team. And I think that's what's necessary. I mean, I know if Jordan's going to win the Heisman, I, the, the one prereq the, the that I know you have to have is you got to beat LSU. Otherwise, you're going to have the, uh, you know, 
SEC pom-pom waivers out there all year saying, well, yeah, nice stats. Uh, didn't happen when he played, you know, the best team that he played all year. So uh, now maybe look, if he goes out there and he's, you know, 41 of 47 for 422 yards and 119 yards on the ground or so, you know, some video game like performance and Florida state loses 48 to 45. Yeah, maybe, you know, maybe there's some caveats around there, but in general, uh, I think you've got to be a, a college football playoff team for for Jordan to be sitting in the front row of the uh, New York Athletic Club come you know second or third weekend in December or whatever it is. I, I think that's fair. I could see a scenario maybe as long as they're on that final graphic because you know they they show like five and six the first two like the first two out basically on the final graphic. Okay, here's five, here's here's six, and they build up like here's four, here, here's three. Mm-hmm. I guess there's some situation in which he could be on the final graphic. You know, if like let's say if USC is not in it and North Carolina is not in it, and you know maybe Georgia's quarterback has a, a bit of a pedestrian, uh, just relative to normal Heisman standards type year. Are we really going to give the Heisman Trophy to like a Brock Bowers, who's a tight end at, at Georgia? Mm-hmm. Their schedule is so bad that I, I mean, Georgia's schedule is a lot easier than FSU's is. So, uh, which is crazy, but like FSU plays a a tougher SEC team than Georgia plays this year because they play LSU. I was going to say, see the SEC East. Right. uh, Uh, right And their their non-con is is a total joke. So, uh, I I could see it like maybe Bama runs the ball more this year with with a first-time starter. Michigan, McCarthy doesn't have like huge numbers. I, I... I mean, I can see a situation in which this becomes a battle of quarterbacks on non-playoff teams who were like very close to the playoff, who had big-time numbers. You know, and maybe it's Caleb. Maybe USC loses three times. FSU loses once. They finish fifth or sixth or something like that. Not that I want this to happen, obviously. Um, and that he gets it, but I do think they have to be like seriously in contention deep into to November for uh, for that to happen. Right. So I I don't know. It's it's interesting. Like like the odds to make the playoff, make the playoff, win the playoff are out, but the odds to actually make the playoff are, are not quite out yet. So uh I guess we'll compare compare those to Jordan's Heisman odds and take a look here in a little bit. As a as a gambling man, uh what do you make of Florida State and Clemson having the same odds to win the national championship? They also basically have the same odds to win the division at, or excuse me, to win the conference at Caesars uh, when uh, when those came out last week. The only thing in the ACC I really wanted to bet when I saw that come out was Louisville at fourteen to one, right? Not that I think Louisville will win the the league because I don't think Louisville is going to win the ACC. But if you guys haven't noticed this, uh, have we gone over Louisville's schedule here on, on this pod? I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago, if I recall correctly. But uh, okay, I'm, I'm not a great person for uh, short-term historical references right now. I'll, I'll put it that way. All right. Well, if if your listener or if our listeners do not have this committed to memory, Louisville ACC schedule this year is Georgia Tech, Boston College, NC State, Pitt, Duke, Vatech, UVA, Miami. Yeah, we did this. No North Carolina, no FSU, yeah. no Clemson. Yeah. So. There is a real scenario in which Brom gives them a little bit of a jump start, and they 
go seven and one in the league. It's very possible, right? Like I, I don't know that they will, but I, I think it is certainly possible. Or even eight, no, right? Uh, and if in that case, like the tiebreaker is going to be interesting because you will you will have no head to head tiebreaker with Clemson or with the Knolls. I I kind of think like. I think that it's fair for Clemson and FSU have have the same odds to to win the league, right? To me, that is a an acknowledgement that Clemson did win in your place last year, right? And it's also an acknowledgement that the Knowles have gotten a lot better through the transfer portal, through the development of some of their high school players, and probably also a head nod again to Dabo making at least uh, one of the big staff changes that probably needed to be made mm-hmm. with, with bringing in Garrett Riley and and. Uh, and jettisoning just some of that, those guys that have been there a while and they, they probably needed some fresh ideas there in Clemson because most defenses, not most, a, a number of defenses were able to shut those guys down fairly easily. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see if FSU can do that this year. What what did you make of it? Um, yeah, I, I think it's it's accurate. I think it's interesting that you go to Clemson and and yet you still have the the same odds uh, on that. I, I you know, I'm, I'm basically going to reiterate what you said. I think it's a reflection of the two rosters changing. I think it'll be a interesting historical uh, you know perspective or historical data point in a couple of years for, for those who want to go out there and evaluate the use of the portal and embracing it and the uh, very different um, approach that the two different staffs have taken towards the portal. Um, it's fascinating, man. I mean, you know, we are far from, uh, from unbiased or at least I am, uh, but it certainly feels like, you know, the two programs are, are kind of starting to head back to level footing a little bit more and certainly not the, you know, drastic uh, disparity that has existed for eight years or so uh, between the two. So uh, just be fascinating, interesting to see uh, Clemson's continued to uh, recruit well. And and I do think that they did themselves some favors with the staff changes that they made in the summer, definitely. I, I will also note this. Um, I think South Carolina's recruiting class finished like 15th or something. I, I really strongly like what they did at the high school level. Like, I, I think that's a what South Carolina did. Like they're not going to win a lot of battles for five star type kids. Just probably unlikely. They really shot their shot with some guys who have high upside, you know. And I mean, it wouldn't shock me if South Carolina closes the gap a little bit. I know they actually beat Clemson last year, but that was probably on the very low end of the range at which Clemson with that roster probably plays for the mm-hmm. most part. Yeah, uh, and South Carolina also played really poorly for about I don't know nine of the, of the twelve weeks of the season. They it would not shock me. If nice they little two to gap. three week window at the end there that uh, helped save face. But yeah, yeah, it was a rough season. So if you if you are thinking that you are going to annually, uh, the most not that you're going to play in this game annually or that Clemson will annually, although recently it has kind of been Clemson, and before that it was you. If, you, if we're thinking like the most likely individual outcome on a yearly basis is the Knowles and Clemson, it, it is helpful to, that Clemson has to play a real game before that game, as opposed to what had happened basically from like, I don't know, 15 or 16 to 
2021, I mean, they're, they're rarely challenged. It was just usually a walkover, right? If they actually have to play a real game, that kind of helps you because they, can't, they really can't take two weeks to prep for you. Much like FSU can basically never take the Florida game off with the exception of like 2013, where they actually kind of played like they were going to take the game off for about mm. the first 10 minutes and still, <laughs> you know, still walked away with it because the, the Gators were playing morning wig at, at, at quarterback. <laughs> Remember that? It was just, Oh, God. This is the uh, – in this the Kelvin Benjamin game, too? The Kelvin uh, Benjamin game. Was, yeah. Florida was like, how much can we clutch and grab without getting called here? That's right. And That's right, yeah. They were just yeah. grabbing – like, the most grabby game I think you'll ever see. Um, so, while we're sitting here talking about the state of South Carolina, for as much as we are, bud, it would be remiss of me not to do this. Uh, South Carolina always uh, – many listeners from us, and I have mentioned this before, uh, we don't have exact analytics on this, but you can take a pretty good – look at it and uh clemson is by far the largest fan base that listens to the null cast it's not florida state and that's great and clemson has some great fans and i welcome that and i'd be uh particularly wrong not to point them in the direction of the perry insurance group in south carolina and i bring them up because they are the 10th uh business to join with congruity i've been meaning to uh, shout them out for about a month and a half now uh perry insurance group is in north myrtle beach south carolina uh, Perry Stalvey is the uh, looks like the principal there, and he is a massive Florida State fan. How do I know this, bud? Because he was actually the guy that bought the Trey Benson jersey that I uh procured oh, nice. last year before the season started as part of our uh, you know, gentleman's Trey Benson bet. Uh, so Perry is a fantastic knoll, uh, appears to have a very successful uh insurance group there, speaks wildly high of uh of Matt Lewis and his team and said that he had uh, listened to us for a long time and kind of jokingly said on the 99th time of hearing you and I mentioned congruity congruity, he chose to reach out to Matt and his team and uh, had a great experience with Matt. And it sounds like he had a great experience with Chris, another member of his team uh, to help set them up on a couple of different benefit packages. So uh, great that uh, the message keeps growing. Uh, I've recently read something that like the neuroscience of podcasting suggests that you may need to hear something 25 to 35 times on a podcast before you start to move on it. So just interesting to see a note like that, but a uh, big thanks to congruity, uh, Matt Lewis and his team and fantastic to see us find another business uh, for him. And uh, one that happens to be geographically located and uh, relevant to the uh, discussion that we're having at the time. That is fantastic, man. Awesome. Congrats to Perry Insurance and congrats to Congruity. That 10 is, I mean, like, you know, we, we talk 500 with, with, with loans to, to, to Legendary, but like, you know, a home loan and flipping a business to, to like for, for their payroll and HR solutions, it, it's a little bit different. So I, I you know, I, I used to like, can we sell loans? I, I think we could sell loans. Let's try it. And now it's like, can we sell payroll and HR solutions? <laughs> Let's do it. Awesome, man. That is that is really great. I really love how how our listeners support the show and and, and support our advertisers. And, you know, I just there's a lot of stuff we turn down. Yeah, you know. Um, and I, I think that's really helped in the long term. I mean, I I don't know what Congruity's renewal rate is. I, I had to text everybody, but I I think it's a hundred percent. So like that's pretty good for folks who try Congruity are are sticking with it, right? And that's that's what we want. Yeah, and obviously the uh, 
I was going to say recidivism rate, but that's not the right term to use for for a whole like like what what uh, repeat customer rate. Excuse me, uh, is is the rate is the rate we're trying to cite here? Um, shout out to a friend of mine, Geiska, uh, who actually just got his loan through the legendary team eight four four FSU loan eight four four FSU loan. I did go back and check. It is eight four four, by the way. Uh, last, yes, last week eight five five evidently is <laughs> one of the few remaining. Uh, Spicy phone numbers, if you get me out oh. there. So, uh, you know, apologies if I accidentally sent your, uh, well, I don't know why your 15 year old's looking for a mortgage, but, uh, anyways, uh, yeah, yeah. 844, uh, is the, is the three numbers that lead that phone number. Um, so, you know, guys could text me and, uh, I actually didn't ask if I could share this, but it, I don't think there's any other personal details. Hey, Shannon went above and beyond for me. He's a plus, as you know. The whole thing was a blank show to start. He handled it great. And then he kind of goes on some like some family details of how it was actually like passed down through the estate. But uh, we're really happy they were able to get it done for him. And shirts are in the mail. Uh, yes, we've got a this whole. Is pod, this is literal podcast housekeeping. Being yeah. done. We've got a whole show. team uh, coming over. We're getting another round of them out. And uh not that the battles in the null cast get blended in together all that frequently, but I've got about 380 welcome packages to send out for the battles end as well. So uh, we've got the, we've got the Good fulfillment truck, team man. lined up. I'll put it that way. Fulfillment team, I like. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. So are, are you surprised? What do, what do we make of Adam Fuller? Kind of just, was it a call out of the safeties? Just a, uh, is it like, hey, like I just, it's time to get going here. Like, that That's, I don't know, kind of how I took it. But um, you could tell he wants more out of that group by his comments. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I do believe that that is it. I think, you know, the thought is that, uh, you know, Shaheem, Shaheem's a, a talented guy. I mean, they knew that within the first 10 days of, of getting him on campus. They just want to get more familiar uh, with what's being asked of him. He's taken a step up as far as a, a guy that uh, – what was his – I don't know his number off the top of my head. I'm going to guess that Shaheem – I don't know, 300 snaps somewhere in the area, of a number that started with a three last year, yeah. probably closer to a five this year. Um, and then Akeem Dent, you know, is a, a really solid player who you kind of uh, have hope and optimism that between talent and experience has a chance to have a real breakout year this year. So – uh, I certainly think that's what it's in line with. Uh, uh, Duke Cooper's moved over there, and and there's been some positive uh, response to that. Uh, tr- there's no bigger Travis J guy out there in the world. I think like the only Instagram DM I've ever sent was uh, one to him two or three years ago, the first year that NIL was allowed. Trying to trying to get a a Nolcast NIL deal uh, with him, ironically enough. So um, yeah, we'll just see, man. I, I think there's some some nice pieces at the safety level. And obviously Dent has a different level of experience than the rest of them and kind of reasons for varying level of optimism with everybody back there. You just probably like to have a little bit more of a roadmap as to, uh, you know, who's going to take those snaps and and have one other person really emerge uh, at that position. All right. One guy who will not emerge is Derek McClendon, who has officially announced that he will hit the transfer portal 
Is, are you actually allowed to go in yet? I guess he's a is he graduate transfer, so he can go in now. If not, yes. he can go in on May first. As a graduate, uh, my understanding is that you can enter immediately, and uh, Derek will be, um, in theory, benefited by that, uh, just because he will be. Uh, I don't think the window opens again until April sixteenth. So, in theory, he'll be, you know, probably. I don't know. I haven't looked at the portal uh, at this position group in particular. Uh, it'll probably be one of the few defensive ends that's out there with, you know, uh, multi-year starter type snats under his belt. And, um, you know, it'll, it'll be a commodity in someone's eyes, I'm, I'm sure. Absolutely. I uh, I I may have my days wrong on this. I, I thought it opened on, the, on May 1st and it closes on like May 15th or 17th or something like that. Um, but I, I may be wrong there. Yeah, that's what I thought as well. I do think it's um, – The only reason I, I, this is top of mind is because we, we were doing our show planning for Cover 3 today. It's just like, all right, like we need to – like, you know, we, we try to plan this stuff about a month out. Um, are we thinking it's, it's a different date now for this? Uh, let me look, man. I was literally just having this conversation. Uh, just make sure I'm right here with you. Um, all right. So while Ingram looks that up, um, so McClendon is a fine player and a guy who, if he didn't start, would have played a decent number of snaps for you and, and did last year. He's also not somebody who, in my opinion, is on track based on his play so far in college to be drafted to have somebody who's going to make a career playing professional football in the NFL, you know, like, like a, a guy that, that, you know, is going to be in there long enough to get a pension. Now maybe he really blows up somewhere. It's, it's certainly possible, but I don't think he's necessarily head and shoulders over other guys on this roster. And there's a real scenario in which the number of snaps he, he gets this year, if he remains on the roster decreases from what it was last year. All it would take is like Gilbert Edmond playing a lot better or Patrick Payton continuing to progress or Byron Turner making a jump, right? At, at the same time, like I think you'd rather have him than not, but like Treshawn Ward, if these guys are looking for star roles or like guaranteed starter roles and the difference between them and their primary backup is very marginal, Best of luck to you. Honestly, I, I hope Derek goes and does great somewhere and, and it goes somewhere where he can be a big fish in a little pond, probably. Right. Uh, maybe an SEC team will scoop, will scoop him up. Potentially an ACC team. Like defensive end is incredibly hard to get in the portal. Florida State's experience in the portal with Verse and with Jones is not normal. No. Or excuse me, uh, Verse and Johnson, excuse me, no. is not normal and will probably not be repeated on an annual basis. I mean, if we can be frank about this, like that's incredibly hard to do. So I, I don't know, man, like that's a, that's a tough spot for him. Like, do, do you, do you go and look for a star role somewhere or are you cool being somewhere between the second and fifth best defensive end on your team? I'm sending um, you a text message. I'd like you to look at. Okay. <laughs> um, Is it, it has to do with recruiting. Um, I, I will tell you that the original transfer window was set for May 1st through the 15th. 
uh, but was moved up to the April 15th to April 30th. So uh, it will it will close in April. Interesting. So. I. Um, text message. Yeah. So Derek is, uh, you know, a talented player, multi-year starter as far as snaps that he can show on a roster. Um, like I said a second ago, someone will value that skill set and he will uh, land somewhere. Certainly wish him the best of luck. Uh, I believe this to be accurate, but I saw a report that he, he'll be visiting South Carolina this week. So um, he can start that process and, and figure out whatever it is the best fit for him. Solid, man. Um, all right. So... Do we worry about this defensive end room now? I mean, where, where's the where's the line where you're like, I feel good, I feel good, yeah. I feel uncertain. Right? Yeah, you but, certainly don't want to have concentrated departures. Uh, I do think that you know Briggs and and I, I wouldn't I wouldn't gra- group Fisk into this totally, but you know they do give you some some flexibility there. It's not anybody that you'd want to take you know, 25 snaps a game at, at defensive end or something like that. But you do have a little bit of uh, flexibility with how you line them up and, you know, some of the packages that you can deploy. Uh, you know, would it, would it, in my opinion, it would surprise me if defensive end was like top of the list uh, in, in the portal. Uh, if Florida State's even going to be particularly active in inbound portal uh, in, in, in back end of April, they've still, even with McClendon's departure, I still think they have to have, another five roster spots open up before you start to talk about uh, inbound and then uh, you know, whatever, whatever you collectively want to make of the Destin Hill situation. I don't know, you know, if that's another scholarship that you've got to have in your back of your pocket or what. So uh, we'll talk about Destin Hill when he's on campus. Uh, but I did want to break our policy only for that, just as a reference point for, <laughs> for people when you're, when you're counting scholarships. So, um, yeah, I do think the defensive end is something that might get looked at. Um, and if you find a great fit, yes, but I, I don't know that it'll necessarily be top of the board. I, I think that's fair. So, all right. Um, let me look here at some other stuff that we had in the chat. I'll hit you on the, uh, on that text, by the way. Okay. Um, cause I actually do have some stuff there. Word. Um, let me see here. Okay, so DMAC, if you had unlimited, not unlimited, if you had like three or four more scholarships to play with when the portal opens, how do you use them? Do you try to get another pass rusher? Uh, It's a great question. I think that. And, you know, this was, I think we talked about this a month and a half ago or so. So I don't know that I, please don't read my comments into like what Fuller said or whatever else, but I do think that you'd look for safety. You know, I mean, there's value. Yeah. Look, let's be, let's, let's, let me speak real candidly here. Um, There is value in taking a player in the transfer portal who transfers to you, who has multiple years, because you can be assured that they're not going to transfer again and that you can work with them. So, uh, yeah, if you could find a multi-year player, that uh, 
and I'm, I'm not an expert at this, but when I talk to coaches uh, all across the country, that's really what I hear. There's a, there's a level for the one year kid, like, okay. Um, and then there's a little bit of a different level for the two to three year kid that, you know, you're going to have on your roster and you can work with. Um, and I think if you could find a good fit there at safety linebacker defensive end, I think you'd give a, a solid eval uh, to all three of those positions on the defensive side of the ball. I think that's fair. Um, would you think about a receiver? Potentially. Um, you know, you, you've, you might think about a receiver who has a strong punt returning resume. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, you, you would do that, I think. Um, uh, I think there's been some frustration with uh, with clarity as to who will take that role. Um, and that's a hard that's a hard position to practice for, man. You just can't, you can't recreate that situation until you've got 11 guys on the other side of the ball that want to kill you. And you're trying to catch a punt in a full stadium of people that are losing their minds. You know, it's just not, you can't really recreate punt returner in practice. You just got to get a feel for who's, who's really wanting to do that. And that's, that was, was so uh, such a wonderful reprieve for Florida state fans is that, you know, Micah is not some uh, transcendent punt returner. He's a, he's a solid wide receiver who gives exceptional effort and is a good blocker, but he's great at catching the ball, which is a skill set that you haven't had around here from a punt returner in a while. And he's great at catching the ball and putting his foot in the ground and getting nine yards. And that's there's there's a whole hell of a lot of value for that. Um, so. So. I think I was probably wrong on FSU needing to get a receiver pre-spring, but some of the injuries that have occurred like since December in the receiver room, I, I think I would like to, I think I would like them to get a receiver if possible. Uh, personally, depending on, on a number of factors, Destin Hill, obviously being one Williamson being another Pittman and his recovery timeline certainly factors into this as well. And I agree with you on, on the punt return aspect of it. When, when I, you know, look, when we hear about uh, how Kendron Poitier had had a big scrimmage and Norvell giving him a lot of love, that's great. And, and it does fit within the, the potential pattern of improvement of a guy like that who was a extremely raw, big body, big hands. They knew what they, they knew what they were taking, right? They were taking a guy that unlikely to work, but possible to work and if he does work he might end up being a very valuable guy because of the size and, and the athleticism that goes with that size but like do we think we would be hearing about him if other players were healthy i i don't know right and if he is going to be somebody who's playing a really prominent role for this team like is that a number two for you on a national championship contending team is that the number two for you on a team that's contending for a playoff spot is, is he the number two for you on a team that can win the acc potentially yeah if, if like the you know 80th or 90th percentile of his projection is what he is but i do think that it's it's interesting like we didn't hear about him a lot last year even like behind the scenes so maybe this is when the breakout occurred and it does take time at times but I don't know. It makes me kind of question that a little bit, right? To mm -hmm. personally, I'm just like, all right, you know, 
We'll see. Um, Big uh, shout out to our friends uh, over at For the Table Restaurant Group, working on a couple different projects with uh, Bat Thompson right now. But uh, Charlie Park is the uh, property that we are fortunate enough to have a focus on this year. Bud and I will be there over the weekend, the spring game. We were talking about that before we uh, pressed record here. Just a fantastic spot over there and kind of overlooking Cascade Park and uh, just a uh, you know, Tallahassee's best rooftop bar and uh, one of the best options that you could ever find, regardless of location, for a Sunday brunch. So uh, awesome place there. And if you're headed into Tallahassee two weeks from now or uh, 12 days from now, would highly encourage that you give them consideration. And if you're sure you're going to head over there, whether it be Friday night or Sunday morning for brunch, I would thoroughly encourage you to make reservations as such. Charlie, Charlie Park Rooftop Bar.com is the website. And a big thank you to Matt and his team for their continued support of the Nolcast. Absolutely, for, for sure on that. Um, okay, so a little recruiting chatter here. Uh, Luke Cromenhoek was invited to the Elite 11 final. So, congrats to Luke. That is awesome. Florida State's quarterback commit out of Savannah. Uh, I was there watching the camp for 24 7 Sports. You can read my write up on 24 7 Sports. I will also be joining the College Ball Recruiting Podcast on Tuesday morning uh, to discuss sort of the entirety of the camp. Um, look, as I wrote in my my update, it was clear that he was the alpha dog, as they like us to reward typically of, of the camp. I was not able to stay for the entire thing. I had to leave before the very final set of drills. So unless he had a terrible final set of drills, which he did not, given that he got invited to the Elite 11 and I talked to people who, who like coaches who, who stayed there. Look, man, um, basically, as he went around from station to station, I was mostly following the the Alpha group, which uh, and I watched a lot of these guys film before I went to the camp. I had a decent feel for like who I, I wanted to see, and then I would you know bird dog it around to see anybody else who, who might pop. All these coaches have like these evaluation sheets, right? And they have certain numbers on them. So for your station, this when this group rolls through, you, know, you write down whatever number whatever numbers you like. Because a lot of these guys don't know who these kids are. They just see the jersey number that's assigned to you on the day. That's in some cases they know who you are. Like I think towards the end, a lot of these these guys probably knew who like a Trevor Lawrence was or or a Justin Fields because they have the internet. But almost immediately they went and, and they wrote Luke's number down. You know, just like like one rep, sometimes two. Like, yep. All right, three twenty-two. Done. It, and one guy asked me, he's like, what, who is that? And I was like, oh, that's that's Corbin Hope. He's going to Florida State. He's like, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. It, just really athletic. Um, with the exception of him, when he was doing his vertical jump, I, I really want to see what he got because they used these power vert mats, and it looked like he just didn't understand how to jump on these. And it wouldn't shock me if he had, like, the worst jump in the entire event. It just, I was like, bro, can't you dunk? And we were laughing, but he's like, yeah, I, I, I dude, yeah, I, I got videos of me dunking. I was like, right, I, I know, like, I, like, that, that jump doesn't match a guy who could dunk. Yeah, sometimes it just doesn't all come together there. That's funny. Uh, and it's, like, I think if you gave him one, like, like, the traditional vert where you reach up, he is probably fine. But jumping on a vert mat, because it, it measures, like, your force and then how, like, how much you weigh your force and how, how long you're off the ground to estimate your true vert. I guess, which is easier than hauling around those real tall things. Um, 
and it's probably also like, like something they want to sell for, sell the product at high schools, I guess. But uh, impressive, uh, impressive year for Savannah. What two of the top ten quarterbacks in the country, or whatever they've got. A, yeah, man. They've got Luke, and then a kid that just committed to uh, he committed to Tennessee a couple days ago. Uh, yeah, out of uh, I think the Calvary Day High School down there. But yeah, Savannah's Savannah's got some some strong quarterback talent down in the, Southeast Georgia this year. And it's not that those guys weren't good. Like he that 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 kid was good. Um, uh, Reeser, the guy going to Iowa, I, I thought had a solid day. The NC State commit had a solid day. Uh, Trevor Jackson is a kid, kind of local here, but in Winter Garden in Orlando uh, is a guy I thought was going to have a really big year last year and kind of battled through injury. But I mean, obviously I don't, you're not allowed to comment about prospects for your college coach. So of course they would never talk about it, but um, Jim Harbaugh watched the hell out of, out of that Trevor Jackson kid last year. Now they just landed Jaden Davis over the weekend. who's the number two quarterback in the country. So I, I don't think they're, they're going to be in the Trevor Jackson market, but it was at the FIU camp with Norvell and Kiffin and Harbaugh and Mike McIntyre. And I think that was it mm-hmm. last, last summer. It was really hot down at FIU before the rain came in. So I think there's some juice there, but even with those guys and Jackson got an invite to, to the finals, which was just cool. And I was, I was happy for him because I was like, man, I hope they, this kid is, is not rated super highly yet, but I, we know he has tools. He just, he needs to put together like a season where he throws more than 16 touchdowns to get seven picks. Right. Um, and like stay healthy would, would be good. I hope that like, they don't do this on rankings. They didn't, they, they really just did it based on who was the best through all the drills. Uh, Kroman Hoke, I think the ability to throw from multiple different arm angles and multiple different positions of balance because of the athleticism he has is, is pretty special. He's still got kind of like a whip, like wiry frame, man. Like he's, like I think he was feeling himself. He's go, you know, he didn't didn't wear an undershirt underneath the little tank top they give you, but like he's got room to fill out. And he did. Yeah, it was just, it's that comment. That, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, you know me. You know I thought they've had something here for quite a long time. If you guys go back into the archives, you can say. I'm not sweating the Chris Parson decommitment at all. And that's not saying that Parson won't have success wherever he goes. He ended up signing Mississippi state, by the way, but uh, it was clear that night at the league camp until I asked you that, that Kermit Hoke was a far better prospect than Parson was. He just yeah. had to actually have a season first. He had not been a starter to that point. So that was, uh, that was encouraging there. And uh, I know FSU is probably really happy that he got the elite 11 invite. Uh, go compete out in Los Angeles for the finals. Yeah, two so. notes on 2025. Savannah's got uh, with the number two player in the country as well, a defensive lineman, and then uh, prospect that you just referenced there, Jaden Davis. I've uh, seen play before, uh, and because his teammate has maybe the number one player in the country uh, for 2025, the oh. David Sanders kid, who is uh, the only offensive. Ta- tackle I've ever seen that I left the game and I'm like, you know, that kid could probably play wide receiver if he wanted to like, like a freak level of athlete that I don't know that I've ever seen. So uh, just there's your, there's your 2025 comments uh, as we kind of run through the show. I don't know that I've ever seen a receiver turn into an offensive tackle at the NFL level. I could be wrong, but there are multiple examples of high school quarterbacks who became offensive tackles. Uh, Lane Johnson, who, may go down as like the best right tackle in NFL history or not one of them. He's the, the Eagle starter in the Super Bowl. Uh, he was a quarterback in high school. Hmm. Uh, so, so as the, uh, the Houston Texans, uh, one of their starting tackles from Alabama state generally just like 
these guys are athletes until the growth spurt hits. And that most of your best tackles, most, not all. Like I think Orlando Pace was probably always like a tackle body. And I, you know, I, I imagine some of those guys probably were. And I, you know, I don't know if Orlando Brown like played any other positions, but you could have seen Jonathan Ogden playing tight end, right? And a number of these guys, like like a Joe Thomas, look, look at this guy's frame now once he's retired from the NFL, like really right. slimmed down, just looks right. athletic. Increasingly, this position looks athletic. I mean, like Laramie Tunzel, right? You could you could slim him down to 240 and he, he would look like, like an NBA player. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Sanders definitely has a look to him, man. That, that kid is, uh, I, I don't think you're going on a limb there. We, 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 we have number, number one, one player in the country. Right I'm not, uh, yeah, I'm not sharing. I'm not, uh, there were no hidden gems discovered. <laughs> uh, I'll put it that way. So no, uh, no, not, not at all. Um, all right. So let me see here. FSU took a 2025 commit named Termel Jones out of Mandarin. I did get to see him. I believe it 77 on tournaments really run together. I think it was battle Miami or, or was Orlando pylon. They were back-to-back weekends. Did get to see him. Um, I think he plays on Birch's team. If I recall, interesting prospect. He's a guy who has you know, some arm on him, good mobility, if I had to ball, like I don't have a measurement on him. If I had to ballpark, I would say probably like 5'11 or six foot, but he's a 25. Um, almost all the 25s, just so I can share this with you guys. Almost all the 25s that I had circled on my sheet yesterday going in, I wrote kind of short, but 25, right? So like these guys are 15 or 16 years old. They are still growing taller. They That's the one area where generally like your underclassmen group, they're just going to look shorter than your, your your seniors group, right? I mean, like you can. No, I'm actually not going to show you my whole sheet, but like, right? Like that. It. I'll, I'll show you my sheet. I'm not not showing the entirety of YouTube my sheet, but like a lot of them, like short by 25, kind of short, maybe 25, right? Like, and then some one of them is like absolutely not five seven, unless unless they hit the major growth spurt, because height does matter. I, I think if things trend the way I think they're going to trend, I got to be smart how I say this. I think the, the vibes generally is that FSU hit on Brooklyn, right? At least to where, like, he's not showing the early signs he's going to be a bust. You know, he, he should be at least decent, right? Um, Quite the contrary to bust. Yeah, he's yeah. he's been yeah. Uh, from yeah, what I've early, seen, he's he's been very impressive. Yes. Early flashes, I, I think we can say. Yeah. So you know that's that's encouraging. Um, I think Duppy has been pushed by Glenn, so there's some chance that he's still around. Cronenhope tools wise, is it, just simply better than Duffy and, and Glenn. Like again, we talked about prospect versus player. As a prospect, like Kermit Hoke's upside is better than Glenn or Duffy. That is not guaranteed that he will hit that upside. We don't know like what percentile rank Duffy or Glenn will hit within their potential range, right? But like the 99th percent, if if, if Kermit Hoke gets every possible ounce of his ability out of him and Glenn and Duffy do, Kermit Hoke is probably a superior prospect, in my opinion, to them, right? Yeah. I know he hasn't played a lot of football. The chance that you have a very good quarterback 
entrenched by the time Tramel Jones gets on campus or by the time any quarterback in 25 gets on campus is very high because this is a good quarterback room right now. You yep. have, uh, it's, it's what you want. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you don't want, um, yeah, the days of where you're telling a, a high three-star, low four-star quarterback that he has a chance to come in and potentially play, you know, within a year, if not earlier, uh, which you were, you were there about a year and a half ago. Um, I will say that uh, just Glenn from watching him and and look, you're you're the recruiting analyst. Uh, you do this, but it has made me reevaluate what Glenn's ceiling is. He's got a gun. He's got a gun and he's an athlete. I'm not. He's not like a four three guy, but he's an athlete and he's uh, he, he's a very intriguing prospect. It's it'll be exciting to see what they can do with him. Absolutely, no doubt. I I mean, like Glenn remained a pretty highly rated guy despite some really subpar numbers as mm-hmm. a senior like the rating there common sense tells you is it's tools based right he has good tools thus you like you have to bet on that at a certain point like you're kind of getting down your list you're doing it. it's like this guy's a pretty proven production guy but he's five eleven and a half his velocity is like maybe 40th percentile the release time is like 80th percentile you know what what are, what are we really projecting for this guy? Is this guy really somebody who's a difference maker at the highest level? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, right? Yep. Like, you know, Bryce Young is probably more like 70th percentile, 90th percentile, right? In, in, in terms of that, even though he's a smaller statured guy, for instance. So circling back to, to Tramel, who has a lot of growth to, to happen, he still has two more seasons of high school to play, right? Uh, I don't really love stamping, like can play or can't play on a 25, unless you're just like, completely tiny and older than grade level. And they're like, all right, that's, that's all she wrote. Probably. Um, I just think it's unlikely that you're going to be able to get a total stud to commit to you in the 25 class, unless he turns out to be a stud. Like somebody you get early, he's just going to come in and believe in himself. Like, Hey, I'm the guy I'm going to beat out everybody. And I'm sure they're going to go whale hunting and probably try to take two in the class potentially. And maybe Tramel Jones develops into somebody who's a real, real stud. But like, this is gonna be a fairly stacked room, even if one or two of these guys transfer out. Which I, I think the odds that that nobody transfers out is almost zero. So, it's just how the quarterback game goes now in college football. So, I'm people are like, "Hey, what do you think about this take? Are you okay with this take?" Yeah, I'm fine with this take, man. Like, I, I know some guys who who. who they somewhat highly the guy, but they're also acknowledging like, yeah, like look who Florida State just got mm-hmm. pointing at Cromenho. You got to find somebody who's going to come in and be okay competing against that and maybe waiting your turn against that. That's just kind of how the, how the thing goes there. Um, Florida State got a linebacker commitment tonight from a player out of uh, Atlantic High School. Do we want to talk about this? Um, looks like Mike Norvell sent out the uh, confirmation tweet on it, so it is a so they did take him situation where we have more clarity. Yeah, yeah. All right. So Jaden Parrish out of uh, Under Armour Orlando. I think he's like six foot two ten ish. He was there. It was not a good linebacker 
day there. He was one of the better linebackers, I thought, on the day. Um, I was told he tested pretty well on the day, and he's very productive. Now, if you look at offers for Jaden Parrish, and we, we can break down the film if you want. Well, probably not tonight because we're, we're already at an, at an hour. We'll, we'll, we'll go through some of this stuff, right? I mean, man, not a lot. Uh, I am not ready to call him a Randy special <laughs> just yet. I, I'm not. No, because I, I I don't think he's like completely w- without love. There, there are some other schools whose defensive scouting ability I, I do respect who like the kid. I, I actually think even though they don't land very many of them, I think Indiana does a nice job offering prospects on the defensive side of the ball. And I think Tom Allen – is a decent defensive coach, right? Um, he also picked up offers from Bethune Cookman and Lafayette and UNLV, which is now headed up by a defensive coach, right? Now, I think he was on a visit out there. FSU offered uh, March 27th. And I mean, hey, the guy, the guy's productive. I'm sure they'll get him in their camp as well. West Kentucky offered him, uh, by the way. You know, I, I'm sure they'll get him in camp and see what they can do with the guy. Uh, he said Auburn uh, re-offered him uh, December 24th. Mm-hmm. Look, I really don't like saying like, hey, this this is not the quality of kid FSU should be taking this early in the process because I want to see him in FSU's camp. I want to see how he works with, with their staff, right? I do think it's important that you land a really, really high-level kid like a Blake Nicholson, but this guy's pretty productive. I mean, 150 tackles tested fairly well, you know, plays two ways. He's in, he's in, you know, three M, which is, you know, if you guys don't know, three M is three Metro. Um, I'm, I don't know. I guess I'm okay with it right now. Like if, if you don't like what you see out of him, when you, when you get your, get your hands on him in person, um, part ways over the summer. If you like it, then cool. You, you hit on a guy early. I'm, I'm not, not going to sit here and criticize it. Yeah. That'll be uh, something for, for us and the, and the fan base to watch in general. Interesting little development. Uh, but I think that's everything we have on the sheet. And we're right at about an hour here. Uh, if there's anything else that I missed, we can certainly address it, but uh, otherwise that'd be a pretty good off season. No cast. Uh. I think that was pretty much everything I had. Let me see. Um, no, I, that is literally everything I had. Man. Enjoyed it. Awesome. Awesome. All right, brother. Great to get a chance to talk to you. Uh, if you do get a chance to leave us five stars on uh, Apple Podcast or wherever it is that you may find the pod, know that it is gratefully appreciated, even for a podcast that's been around as long as we have. A like, subscribe, comment on YouTube is uh, also bizarrely powerful uh, in the year 2023. So uh, know that your support of the Nolcast is greatly appreciated. Thank you again to all our sponsors. And uh, as Bud said earlier, a uh, big shout out and a thank you to the Patreon members who make this show possible. Uh, until next time, I'm Ingram. He's Bud. This has been the Nolcast, and we will talk to you soon. All right. See you, buddy.